Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Coach Red, where we bring you all the news, stories, takes, and opinions about your favorite teams from the Pacific North Fresh, from the good to the bad to the Mariners. The sweet, sweet Mariners, baby. Sweet, sweet Mariners, right? Um, no news on the Mariners front, except for Mike Ford getting DFA'd and Zach Deloach getting selected to the 40-man ahead of the Rule 5 draft. But other than that, not much else is cooking out there on the MLB hot stove. No rumors. That's about it. We're uh, not the here rumor, to talk the about rumor, that. The rumors are the hot stove is going to start heating up, and it doesn't. We'll see. We'll see. But we are actually going to, in fact, talk about the Seahawks. And guess what? You don't have a bunch of somber sallies like you did last time. We almost did. Coming back to Club Dub. Yep, Club Dub indeed. But before we talk about that, why don't I tell you a little bit about us? If you're looking for a guy that maybe you might want to call me the gardener, Plant my seeds, water them, and watch those things grow, just as you've seen this podcast and these takes grow. And if you're looking for better ones, why don't you just follow a guy like me, your boy, Coach Red. You can find me on Twitter at the Real Coach Red, on Instagram at the Real underscore Coach Red, TikTok at the Real Coach Red. Also, hop on over to YouTube, search Kicking It with Coach Red, like, subscribe, hit the bell notifications, leave a comment or two. And if you are looking for a guy who will go in to the garden and pick the prettiest of flowers, vegetables, fruit, whatever you're growing, he's going for the bright and shiny. And that's just the type of guy he is. His name's Kane. That's me. Yeah, I'm Kane. You can find me on Twitter at Kane2406, on YouTube at Kane06. TikTok and kick K0624. Also follow the show's socials on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Red Pod. Falls, falls, falls. Do it, freaking do it. And that's kind of what the Seahawks did. Um, frustrating game. Uh, this was a little bit like the Husky game that I watched on Saturday, where it was a little too close for comfort for too long. Also, um, they're Washington- getting jibbed. Washington uh, starts off with the ball, the commanders, not the Huskies. And uh, four or five plays go down, uh, broke a play. Sam Howell escapes the pocket. Boy, Mafe's kind of caught in a land man, expected to cover the flat. Sees a quarterback running right to him, sees the eye candy just like Kane, goes to try and make the quarterback hit, flares it out to Robinson, who is not their primary pass catcher out of the backfield, and he takes it down for a very quick score. Yeah, but, straight up housed it. But, but the other thing is, is it's a broken play. Guys are a little bit out of position. It lasted longer, and you've got a guy who's primarily an edge rusher covering the flat and goes and does what he knows how to do best, go attack the quarterback, bites you early. But then the Seahawks' defense really stiffens up for the yep. rest of the half, and the offense is moving the ball at a pretty good clip. The only issue is the Seahawks get one field goal in the first, can't punch it in. They have two field goals in the second, and due to 
poor clock management do not have a chance to put another three on the board before half. But you come out of the first half, and it's a tie ball game at 9-9. to Yeah, it, you know, outside of basically two broken plays in the first half, it was very boring. Um, It's a very defensive-heavy game. That that hit on Lockett was wild. And I cannot believe New York ejected Emmanuel Forbes, who I believe I said in the last video was going to get cooked by DK. Didn't have a chance to. Didn't have a chance to because two plays into the drive, he's gone. Yeah, and at first glance, when you watched it live, you're like, that was a pretty aggressive hit. And when you slowed it down, it didn't look as bad. But I think what got him is forearm shiver up near the header neck area as well as putting a shoulder in the helmet. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what sealed his fate. But, yeah, I mean – Seahawks defense besides that really big and I think that if you really look at it into I would say late third quarter because um, they got another one of those big chunk plays yeah very off, similar off to the first Brian time for Robinson. another for another uh, 50 yards but at one point after that drive got completed I was looking at their offensive numbers and outside of those two plays the Seahawks had given up like 50 or 60 total yards outside of two plays for, for three and a half to almost four full quarters. Yeah. Uh, The big thing is that the quarterbacks are breaking to everything. Like they did not let things develop when ball was out. They were just like carrier pigeons. They were on their mark. Um, Carrier pigeons. I you know it, I was trying to think of something and that just came to mind. I'm sorry. Uh, Don't apologize. I'm looking at, like it. <laughs> at the, looking at stat sheet here. You know Trey Brown leading the cornerbacks and tackles on the game. He had five solos. He's so dude's dude is wrapping up in little spoon four with an assist. Uh, let's see, Reek one with two assists. They're getting to the ball. And that's the one thing you love to see. Yeah. One thing that I didn't love to see, and I caught myself doing this, at the end of the first quarter, I said, hmm, this is five consecutive quarters where the Seahawks have not scored a touchdown. And then it got to halftime. I go, here is six consecutive quarters without an offensive, without a touchdown. And we're getting dangerously close into the third where I was about to go seven consecutive quarters without the Seahawks touchdown, but a little bit of a broken play for the Seahawks. Kind of, It kind of looked like a screen kind of didn't to Kenneth Walker and kudos to him because on this play, he gets between a defender and, and an offensive lineman through a hole that I didn't think a man could get through. <laughs> and he just slides right through, doesn't lose his stride, you know, gets a block downfield from Tyler and takes it into the end zone. And right ran after, everybody. Right after he got through that block, I immediately said, Oh, I'm a slipper <laughs> little snake. <laughs> because I mean, it was, it was, it was filthy. 
man. That was oh, a time play, and it was a needed play because the Seahawks had been moving the ball effectively, but they hadn't punched it in. And, right. man, did that ignite a little something in them as the game went along on moving the ball effectively and, and putting points on the board. I mean, let, let's see, you know, towards that second half of the game, DK 7 for 98, Tyler 8 for 92, Kenneth Walker 1 for 64, JSN 4 for 53, Will Disley 2 for 22, Charbonnet 4 for 18, and those were a good 4 for 18 as well. Yeah. Um, and this, he, Gino out there slinging it. That's really all it was. Yeah, Gino He's, clocks in at 369 yards, two TDs, and the beautiful most important stat – Zero turnovers. Zero. The I Washington Commanders had one turnover, and it really true, proved to be a turn. Like that was a game-winning play. Little spoon came up big in that, and not to mention Reek picking up the fumble. Oh, big time! And Reek was tight in coverage all day too. He was, I think. One reception on him out of six throws when targeted. So it was yeah. good to see him where he hadn't made some splash plays, made a little splash plays. Good lockdown on Scary Terry is in the right place at the right time on the fumble. Little Spoon also kind of locking up Terry. Yeah, Terry got the step on him late in the game for a key drive where he, he I mean, it. it was bang, bang, but he was just a half step too late. Yeah. But Spoon's playing well above his years. Looks like Looks like the spoon is kind of like the sauce. <laughs> so you basically have like a sauce gardener and a Tariq Woolen on your team. And not like a Tariq Woolen. Well, it is. It's like a Tariq Woolen. It's a Reek Woolen. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And, and not to mention, dude, Jay Bound is looking very good out there. Very solid. Um, one thing that I do want to talk about and – I know that it's not pronounced this way, but this one's for all of our ladies out there. I think that we're in agreement with you. Uh, excuse me, Garcon. Uh, can I have another glass of Chardonnay, please? Yes. Because let's look. Let's look at the stats. Okay, Kenneth Walker, nineteen carries for sixty-three yards. That is a three-point-three yard carry. And then you had Zach Charbonneau go six carries for 44 yards, a 7.3 average, and 20 or 22 of those yards came on back-to-back plays where he's just grinding and grating. I want to see this get a little bit more 50-50. I love the nose for the end zone that Kenneth Walker has. I think that right now in his progression, he is a better pass catcher than Charbonnet and being able to make big plays out of that. But I want – both guys to be juiced for the stretch run. Let's even this out a little bit. Let's let's get, you know, instead of sugar and spice and everything nice, let's get a little bit of lightning in the thunder here. Yeah. Dude. Charbon. Hey, likes to hit people. Oh He's- man. We need to. We're not going to do anymore. We're going to stop talking about the witch's brew and <laughs> Thomas Rawls, but like. <laughs> He, he does have a knack for finding – like, he wants to inflict pain on the defenders. <laughs> he sure I does. love it. <laughs> right, right. Except for at the end of the game when he 
just needs to get out of bounds. Struck yes. somebody and then Correct. immediately sprints to the sideline. <laughs> the very next play is like, I screwed that one up. I will not let it happen again, coach. Oh man, that was hilarious. I died when that happened. Yeah. But you had some good plays by him. Tyler Lockett, uh, the second to last drive of the game. Welcome to Tyler Lockett's drive. I was playing against him in fantasy. He was at six points, I believe, before that drive. At the end of the drive, he was at 19 and a half because he had like four receptions and a touch on, yeah. the, on that drive. That was Tyler Lockett's drive Me, to have. He came better leadership right there, baby. He yeah. best, best. I, I'm biased, you know, whatever. Best footwork in the league. But then you also look at it in the fall, in the last drive of the game. DK Metcalf was the big guy. Gets uh, I don't wasn't in that drive. No, it wasn't that drive. Two, the pass he had two mid. He also had the pass months. interference called against him, and yeah. then two big catches and really set the Seahawks up for the game winning field goal. So you had different points early on. You had a drive where JSN looked unbeatable for the day. I thought it was going to be a heavy JSN day. And then you had the Tyler drive and you had the DK drive and I absolutely love it. I want it to be, this is the trios game. I want it to be yes. a little less drive heavy and a little bit more full game heavy because you can see how each one of these guys impacts your offensive yeah. game plan, but also how diverse they are at attacking a defense because of their uh, particular it, skill sets. And, and let, you know, that final drive, I have an irk with the commentators because when DK caught that last ball, he had one defender to break and he was house money. And he's like, man, oh, he should go down. It's like he had to beat the safety because he shed the corner. Well, the other thing was, <laughs> is if he goes down at that point, DK baby. When when he goes down at that point, then you're in position to spike it and then try right. to run something out of bounds. But you're also, um, I don't know, at a 48-yard, 50-plus yard field goal, I think, at that point. And with the clock management of trying to run another play and how it bit you in the tail in the first half, I wasn't mad at it. There was 30 seconds on the clock. It was easy to get up there and spike the ball. Right. And like I said, DK wasn't five, had it wasn't one 15 def- seconds on the clock. 15? Yeah. You catch, get down, hand the ref the ball. Your offensive right. linemen are sprinting and chugging. You spike that thing and you are on a wing and a prayer. But you aren't doing that right. in 30 seconds. And and that's that's why like DK went down, lowered his shoulder, was gonna blow up the safety and just got brought down. He had one defender to beat and it's housed. Mm-hmm. Like was amazing. Oh, did you know there was a special guest at the Seahawks game this last weekend? Who was that? DJ Khaled, because guess what boy Mafe got? Another one. Another one. Another sack that puts his sack streak at seven consecutive games. I think that puts him at eight on the year. And big, big shout out to Big Cat too, baby. Leonard Williams. Yeah, getting his first sack as a Seahawk. It's good to Let's see, see it. Bobby Wagner lead, led the team tackles with 10. Uh, you got half sack by, I think, Jaron Reed got in there with a half sack at some point as well. So 
nice well-rounded game. And like, like I said, if you take out the two chunk plays and really the last drive that the commanders did and big ups to Sam Al, he played it, played pretty well. He's he got good athletic ability. I liked him a lot coming out of that draft and he's proven to be the top guy out of that draft with the likes of he's fighting Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis. They're not putting up much of a fight, but Sam Howell, I liked him a lot. I was shocked he got to the fifth round. But with Sam Howell, he put himself in a position to win. He made a perfect throw over Spoon to to his college teammate at North Carolina, Diami Brown, who made a man miss and put the commanders in a spot to win the game potentially. I mean, three – 29 for 44, 312, and three touchdowns with no picks. Fantastic day. And just defense let him down. Yeah. And their big name players weren't the guys that were torching you. Scary Terry didn't do much. Curtis Samuel didn't do much. John Dotson didn't do much. It was Brian Robinson twice and Diami Brown. I mean, if you look at those three Logan big Thomas, players. Yeah. But... Okay. I don't consider I don't consider him a big name guy anymore after he hasn't been on the field, you know, three of the that's, last five years total. That's true. That's so, true. But it was an overall good game. It was an encouraging yes. game to see, especially they shut the run game down. And granted, the Commanders are the most pass happy team in the NFL right now, so it's not a shock to see that. But besides, you know, a couple of carries late and the Sam Howell quarterback scramble that resulted in a fumble the Seahawks stuffed the run game all day yeah yeah they did and it took two broken plays and a perfect pass to to really chunk out on the defensive backfield and the crazy part is Jordan Brooks only had three tackles on the day as well I know that's crazy like dude was nowhere to be found that day I guess yeah all right uh, let's get into it. Who was your player of the game? Geno Smith. Geno Smith absolutely was my player of the game. That dime he threw to lock it in the end zone was just chef's kiss. Love to see it. And ball placement was almost perfect for him this game. He had a few uh, balls that were a little awry, but it was way less than we've seen recently. Yeah. Uh, and as we, we pointed out, no turnovers. No turnovers. We won the turnover battle and, you know, got the big win, but it was a big part to Gino getting the ball where he needed to get it. So, Gino Smith, Coach Red, who's your player of the game? Um, Gino did have a good game, but you are incorrect. We're going to have to give player of the game to NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, Jason Meyer. 17 points. 17 yeah. of the Seahawks points. Yeah, he five for five on the day and was in a position to be six for six if we botched the clock at the end of the first half. And what I love about him is after the game, uh, he said big credit to our undrafted free agent rookie, Long Snapper. He goes, this like I've kicked game-winning field goals. He's not snapped a game-winning field goal in his professional career yet. So, it, big ups to him. He had good placement all day. But Myers was locked in, yes. baby. Yes. And 
every ball was hated a little right down the middle. It wasn't, it wasn't going one way or the other. I was feeling pretty confident anytime that foot went to ball. So big shout out to Jason for not only being the NFC special teams player of the week, but also my player of the week, which is (laughs) might be a bigger (laughs) award and achievement. They just don't talk. They just don't talk about this word on ESPN or anything like that. <laughs> okay, the Seahawks currently sit at six and three, and they're a tough team to figure out. They've had some stinkers. They've played really well against good teams. They've played well enough against mediocre teams, and they played downright poor against others. But We've talked about a lot of guys throughout the course of this year so far. And we're kind of at a point where a lot after the Ravens loss, there were quite a bit of people that were writing the Seahawks off. I think most people were expecting the commanders to come in and win because they're riding a hot streak. And after the Seahawks getting the doors beat off them, thought that this was the time to shine. But they're in a position to do stuff. And they wouldn't be in that position without a few underrated players. So we wanted to touch on through, you know, right around the midway point of the year, who your most underrated Seahawk is Kane. I'm going with Trey Brown. Um, He wasn't even expected to win the outside job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in in dude has two picks on the year. Pick six is one of them. Uh seven pass defended, two forced fumbles. Dude is playing unreal. And also one thing I like to see is that he has 19 solo tackles. He brings people down. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Dude's been electric, shut down. Uh, kind of a hard hitter, like this revitalized legion of boom that we have going on right now. Um, Zoom boom. Yeah. Uh, he, he's fitting in perfect. Like, I, I, I love it. I love it. The dude has been playing unreal, and I believe he's also missed a game and also started four games this year and has that kind of resume on him. Love to see it. Coach Red, who's your most underrated player? My most underrated player is Jaron Reed for a couple reasons. Yes. He started off hot and people were talking about it. He's creating pressures. Uh, the ability to stop the run comparative to last year was at a much better level. And a lot of that was attributed to Jaron Reed was a little quiet for a game or two. And I think even in this game, you know, they were talking after Leonard Williams got it got his first sack, like, oh, it's good to see him here because Jaron Reed hasn't looked so good all year. And, like, the dude's been getting double teamed at such a high clip. His pressure rate from the interior is a huge step up from what we've seen. And his veteran leadership and coming back to the team has really shown across the defensive line when you bring him and Draymond Jones at the same time at the beginning of the year, even throw in Mario Edwards, who is a close – third for me an underrated player but you throw these guys along a line with these young bucks that are still learning 
it's it's a good thing to see. You know, he's getting some sacks, he's making pressures, he's getting tackles in the backfield, and getting double teamed at line scrimmage. You couldn't ask for much more. Yeah, no, uh, he's been great. Um, every time they run the ball, he's there. He, he sheds people. He gets a hand out there. Everything you love to see, and I just love that he's back. Really do. I also have an offensive underrated player. Yeah, I don't. Offensive underrated player is Evan Brown. Evan Brown has missed one game due to injury, but he has played with so many different combinations. This has been a position of need since Max Unger. We haven't really got consistent center play. Evan Brown comes in on a one-year deal. And has really helped be the glue for this line, except for the penalty got called on him this week when it was a false start on everybody but the center because <laughs> he didn't <laughs> snap the ball. So that was not a highlight. But what you're seeing out of this line with how inconsistent they have been, but how they have still been able to move the ball on the ground and not have Gino be a sack lunch man in the backfield. I think that a lot of that can be attributed to the leadership from a guy that was undrafted his first time as being a real free agent out of his, you know, original deal. So he's still a younger guy in terms of age, but he's really a veteran that you needed along this offensive line. And I think that he's really helped keep them together. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, as we said, you know, time time again, when the offense is moving the ball, it's it's a dream, and it's all accredited to that the big man up front. So, love to see it. I have another underrated player. Uh he's not been like super great, but it, you know, the pressure seems like it's there. Wayne, uh, Darrell Taylor. I was gonna say way to really run. You know what? This guy, this guy's been underrated. I don't think he's been the best. So let's talk about him. I, I think I see Darrell Taylor just all over the field when he's out there. Um he, he's got two and a half sacks on the year. Not the best sack numbers, but they do it half no, is boy still pretty decent. no, no, he's not. Uh but I do see him flying off the, the edge. I do see him trying to get to the quarterback and just quarterbacks are getting the ball out pretty quick. So, Oh, I don't know who tweeted this, but, or sorry, X'd it or whatever you call it. Um, but somebody said this and I wish that I had remembered to save this, like it and check out their handle. But they said, if Sunday's game was a flag football game, Jamal Adams would have been all pro. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Adams was creating some pressures and just somehow just barely slipping them. But yeah. um, it was good to see him causing some havoc. Granted, that resulted in multiple big plays because of the brokenness of it from him climbing in the pocket. But it it's going to come hit home at some point. Yeah. And when Jamal Adams gets sacks, it works very well. All right. Let's talk about the upcoming game. Time to do a little revenge on the Rams going down to Los Angeles. You've got a player that will be back in this game, multiple players back. 
Stafford played in that first game, but he had a thumb injury, and it sounds like he's going to be good to go. And at the beginning of the year, he didn't have any Cooper Cup. So a little bit more offensive weaponry for the Rams. But the thing that I think we could take advantage of a little bit is stuffing the run game. Yes. Uh, I believe it is. Well, Kyron Williams is hurt, isn't he? I believe so. So they have Royce Freeman and Daryl Henderson. So, you know. Yeah. You hope that you hope is you lock that is. down. I want to put some pressure on Stafford, you know, coming off that. And it's got a thumb injury. It's not the best thing to have when you use your hands. The big thing that I'm excited for in this game is yes, the Rams are healthy, but the Seahawks are now like grooving right on defense for the most part. They are grooving, and I want to see some little spoon and some big reek create havoc for Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Would love to see it. And the other thing is, in the first game against the Rams, Charles Cross and Abe Abe Lucas are both out by halftime. Right. Charles Cross is back. Abe Lucas may be back this weekend. But when you look at the defensive side of the ball, you didn't have Jamal Adams in the first matchup. You didn't have Witherspoon in that matchup. You didn't have Leonard Williams in that matchup. So you've got some guys that are back and are able to play in this game. I think – wasn't Sharp out in that first game too? I believe he was. So it'll be interesting to see how they can contain what the Seahawks can do. And my big real question mark is – Who are the Rams' defense? Because I've seen them play some good games like they did against the Seahawks. I've also seen some stinkers come out there because they really did shut down the Seahawks in the second half of the week one matchup. So it's going to be really interesting to see what defense shows up for the Rams for me. Uh, My my biggest question mark of the game is hopefully we can stop Aaron Donald. I mean, you're going to be in the best position to do it. You should have. Haynes, Lewis, right, Brown. Right. You should right. have your full compliment that you right. want along. The line. So right. we'll see what we'll see what happens. Right, but I, I I do feel confident that the Seahawks can. I think they're gelling on offense, especially coming off the big high. I think they're going to keep it going. Yeah, I agree. And you're right, you're right. But I want our listeners to be gelling with us. And a good That's way right. to be gelling is to give us a little follow a fall on social media. You can find me, your boy, Coach Red, on Twitter at the Real Coach Red, on Instagram at the Real underscore Coach Red, TikTok at the Real Coach Red. Also, hop on over to YouTube, search Kicking It with Coach Red. Like, subscribe, hit the bell notifications, leave a comment or two. Kane, where you at? You can find me on Twitter at Kane2406, on YouTube at Kane06, TikTok, and Kick. Kane 0624. Also follow the show's socials over at Twitter and Instagram at Coach Red Pod. Falls, falls, falls. Do it, freaking do it. Hey, and as always, stay fresh. Stay fresh, peeps. Peace.